Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It is Thursday, March 4th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Like the Royals expect from new outfielders Andrew Benintendi and Michael Taylor, we're covering a lot of ground on today's show. Beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell are here to discuss recent Royals developments like the long-term contract signed by Hunter Dozier, the Royals' acquisition of old friend Gerard Dyson, and how the young pitching is coming along. In addition to Lynn and Sam, you'll hear from Dozier, Daniel Lynch, and Whit Merrifield on today's show. So let's get started talking Royals on a program that started as a Sportsbeat Live. Hey, good morning from Kansas City, and welcome to Sportsbeat Live, the Kansas City Stars weekly interactive show where we talk Royals with the reporters who know them best and with you. So... Send your questions and comments about the Royals and about baseball to us, and we will get to as many as we can. Let's welcome in beat writer Lynn Worthy. Lynn, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. And um, and in the spirit, oh, here I am. I'm thinking that we were going to overpromise and underdeliver, but no, Sam Mellinger is here. Hey, Sam. What's up? They, 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 I just had a little problem logging in, but um, thanks to my advanced technological skills, um, very advanced, I want to stress that um, I, I'm in now. Okay. Well, we are, we're all thankful for that. Um, <laughs> and it's good to, good, good to see you. Um, I thought we would start today with um, uh, some of the bigger news of the week with the Royals. And that is the um, the extension given to Royals third baseman Hunter Dozier, and four years, twenty five million dollars. That happened several days ago. We haven't talked about it since our last show. So what we're going to do is hear from Dozier and Royals general manager Dayton Moore. Let's let's play that tape now. I want to thank Dayton, Mr. Sherman, the whole front office. Um, I truly believe that the Royals is the best organization in all of sports and it's because of this guy sitting next to me um thank you for taking a chance on me back in 2013 and um just having confidence in me throughout this whole baseball you know minor leagues big leagues and stuff like that first of all congratulations thank you um i wanted to ask you um we spoke not too long ago and you were talking about just sort of the um the trust you had in the organization when you're talking about sort of, you know, being willing to move around and do different things. And that part of that being because of the trust Does a day like this sort of reinforce that for you. How, how big a deal was this for you to, um, I mean, as far as the trust, but also just to sort of get that security going forward. Yeah, it's a big day for me and my family. Um, like I told you, I mean, I, I trust Dayton in the front office and our coaching staff, uh, I know we were talking about positions and stuff. And um, like I told you, whatever they feel that's best for the team, I'm like I said, I want to win. So wherever they think I'm um, best fit for the team at that point, I'm all for it. Um, and for the, you know, extension, it, it kind of takes the, you know, I'm not a big fan of the business side of the baseball. I mean, you grow up loving this game just because you love baseball. Um, and then as you get drafted, you know, the business side does come in to it and it's a blessing because you can provide for your family. Um, so now I can kind of not think about the business side of baseball and just really focus on 
winning and having fun and doing whatever I can to help that team um, win. And we're going to do a lot of winning. I can promise you that. Okay, I promised some sound from Dayton Moore there. He was there. We didn't hear from Dayton, though. That's my bad editing skills uh, at work. But uh, uh, I, I thought a couple of interesting points to make here, Lynn. Uh, first of all, calling the Royals the best organization in all of sports. I thought, you know, it's quite the compliment from, from Hunter Dozier and his eagerness to win. And I think he speaks for just about every baseball player I've ever talked to that they're pretty happy to get the business end of baseball out of the way as quickly and, you know, without as much fuss as they possibly can. Is that, did you get that uh, feeling from talking to Hunter? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, if they gave me $25 million. I'd be pretty high on the organization as well. So, I mean, I, I, that's not too surprising. I mean, <laughs> but um, you know, the only organization that he's known um, the fact that they're um, you know, they, uh, I think we've, talked about it, written about it, all that sort of thing. You know, they care about players, and and I think he really feels that, and he really feels a trust for the front office and Dayton Moore. So that's what you see coming through. Um, but also, you know, he they didn't have to do this at this point. I mean, it's good for both sides, but, I mean, he still had arbitration. He was still, you know, under control for a couple more seasons after this year. So um, getting this out of the way so he didn't have to worry, um, I think – he didn't necessarily say it, but I remember going back to when Whit Mirafield signed his extension. One of the things he said was that it sort of freed him up to not so much worry about, um, you know, achieving particular numbers or stats or anything like that and just worrying about being able to contribute to wins because you knew the business side was taken care of for at least a you know set period of time. Sam, did the numbers, the, the length and the number sound fair um, market value? Yeah, I mean, it, as far as like just the money, I think it's a pretty typical deal where um, Dozier probably, if he just plays it out and we just expect a reasonable, you know, not for him to blow up and not for him to collapse, but a reasonable progression, he probably would have made a little bit more money um, through the Arb years. Um, but, you know, if, <laughs> if you're in that situation, it's pretty hard to turn down the guaranteed money you know, at 90% of what you might get. You know what I mean? Like there's just a little bit of an insurance policy. What, what I think is it like really interesting about this deal and uh, Lynn just touched on it, but I just want to emphasize that um, <laughs> there was a reasonable case for both sides not to do this deal, right? For for Hunter, just what I just said, um, he probably could have made, you know, three, four, five million dollars more. That's kind of the projections. Three, four, five million dollars more um, if you would have played it out. And for the Royals, they already had him under club control for a few more years and he's 29. He's going to turn 30. Um, you know, like his, it is logical to believe that his best seasons will be before his previously scheduled free agency. So it's almost like the Royals are in some ways doing him a favor too, um, of, of extending a little bit more, guaranteeing him the money. And it's because of what Lynn just said. It's because of what Hunter was saying, um, you know, Hunter Dozier, you're right, like just got $25 million from this team, his only known one professional organization. He, he's a very, you know, not unbiased source on, you know, ranking the, the best organizations in professional sports. But the important thing is that he believes it. That's the important part. It's not why he believes it, but it's just that he believes it. And he believes it for all those reasons that, that he's talked about. I mean, he's had some struggles. Um, and for him to call, I know he, he debuted in 2016, right? Uh, but basically, his three seasons are uh, 103 losses, 104 losses, 
And then, you know, the pace last year, which would have been what, like 90, 94, some, something like that. So for him to, to, to say those words, best organization in sports, I mean, that's the, the Royals are, are overcoming a lot in how they treat him as a human for him to say that. I'll tell you, the, the Royals treat their humans very well, though, mm-hmm. uh, do they not? And uh, we, we saw that uh, we saw that last year. I, I think exemplified during the you know during the, all the uncertainty, how they they were out front in making sure their minor leaguers were paid and and whatnot. And look again, owing to my poor editing skills, we did uh, Dayton Moore did say during this um, uh, this press conference that. Uh, you know, it's it's a great day for the Royals organization when they have press conferences like that. And I can remember being there for uh, the the first uh, Salvador Perez extension back. I don't know, maybe it was in '16, and and a couple of others. And they really, you know, they really do turn those into celebratory moments. And um, it, and and they make a they make a big deal. A lot of them happened at spring training, and and they make a big deal of it. So I guess my question is who. Who might be next in line for uh, for a contract extension that that's on the Royals roster now? Lynn, how about uh, can you speculate on that? What uh, who who might be next? Uh, the, the the next press conference might feature who? Uh, well, since we're going down the road of uh, you know reckless speculation, I'll I'll say uh, I mean I, I've already totally reckless speculation. Yeah, me. yeah. Well, and I've I've already sort of done it in print anyway. So I you know the person who comes to mind is Salvador Perez for me. Um, because he's going to be up at free agency at the end of this year. And I wrote something um, a few weeks back just talking about, you know, um, we saw this offseason was sort of billed as a big offseason for catchers with Rio Muto and, um, you know, um, James McCann um, and what, and, you know, and Yadi being, uh, Yadier Molina being a free agent and ultimately returning to St. Louis. So what that might mean for, for Salvi. And um, I think that's the next one because he, you know, he's sort of, and maybe this is just me thinking this way, but I feel like he's the next one that's in that mold of, you know, Alex Gordon, the tie to that championship team, a guy who's been a career Royal who, you know, you want to keep in house maybe and be um, your, your face of the franchise, homegrown superstar. Um, and with free NC coming up at the end of this year, I feel like he's probably the next one up. How about Brad Keller? Would he be? Uh, is this somebody that you think the Royals would consider? Is it time for for the Royals to consider a, a longer term deal for him? They could. I, I like Brad Keller. He, he's got a lot to to believe in, you know. Um, and he's kind of a weird pitcher because just the numbers profile doesn't make sense, you know. He doesn't strike guys out and and all that. But um, if you just watch the games and, and watch the swings and watch the contact against him, I mean, I, I'm not. Not saying he's going to win the Cy Young Award this year or next year or whatever, but he's got sort of potential like front of the rotation kind of production. Um, I think he's a guy you can believe in. Um, the, the Royals would, I mean, Lynn is right. They would love to get Sal done. And he, I he kind of feel like because of what he just mentioned, Lynn did about he's a free agent at the end of the season. It's almost like if they don't get something done by the end of spring training, probably going to hit free agency. And, and once you hit free agency, it's kind of hard to get those guys back, uh, d- depending on the market. And he'll have a weird market. There'll be some teams that are in love with him, and there'll be a lot of teams probably that don't want him because of the body, because of the position, the age, all those things. That's an interesting one. And I also think the Royals would like to get Mondesi done. Um, you know, that there's some complications there. Uh, 
a lot of complications there. Is, is he September <laughs> of last year or is he July and August? Um, and I think, you know, the deal will probably be somewhere in between, but um, that's another guy I think the Royals would like to get done. But probably a long shot. I, I don't know that, you know, that, that that'll get done in the next month or whatever. Um, since you just mentioned him, Sam, what's the latest on Mondesi's foot injury, Lynn? Is it um, uh, the, the, the one player you didn't want to hear about having an injury at, uh, at spring training and Mondesi comes up with a foot injury? Are they expect him, expecting him back pretty soon? Uh, the last that we heard was that he, he could even be in seeing some game action maybe later this week. Um, right. Haven't gotten a, an update, you know, um, today or the last 24 hours or anything like that. But um, I mean, he, I, I was, you know, I'm in KC now, but I was in Arizona last week and he was taking part. It wasn't like he was sidelined. I mean, he was, he was doing the infield drills. He was doing live ABs. I think they're just being um, Mike Matheny had said that they were being cautious about his, him running because speed's such a big part of his game. And it's so early that they, you know, they just don't feel like pushing it with that foot. And it was, you know, he just, he took a, um, the understanding was he took a live pitch off of the foot before he came to camp. Um, you know, just doing work and stuff. So, I mean, he's been, he's been taking part in, in everything, you know, at least during that first week of full squad. So um, it doesn't sound like it's serious. It's just, it sounds like they're being more careful than anything. Good to know. Okay. We're going to let Mark Schremer take us into our next topic. And that is what is a realistic expectation of Gerard Dyson's role this season? And what does that mean for Bubba Starling? Yes. The, the news of the last couple of days, the Royals are, Looks like they're going to sign Dyson to a one-year deal pending a, a physical and getting the band back together. Uh, uh, we've got Greg Holland back uh, on, on a, on a, on a one-year deal. Wade Davis is in camp uh, joining uh, Danny Duffy and Salvador Perez as players that were part of the 2014 and 2015 season. I believe now that the Royals have in camp more players from those years than they did on the roster last year. So. Um, what is the expectation in the role for, for Gerard Dyson? Uh, what are you hearing about that, Lynn? Well, you know, the deal still isn't officially done yet, so it'll be, um, you know, it's hard to get anybody to, you know, say anything right now. But um, it will be interesting to see what that does for um, some of the younger guys. I mean, like I had asked um, about, you know, guys like an Edward Olivares or Nick Heath and whether they – they would try and stay away from having those guys as bench guys because they're as young as they are and could maybe benefit from playing on a regular basis when there's a, you know, an actual minor league baseball season going on. Um, and, you know, the answer was sort of, well, it depends on how the roster shakes out. And, you know, but I think even when Dayton addressed it, he said, well, yeah, historically we don't want, you know, these young guys we feel like are still developing to be bench guys. And so I think if, you know, if it's, if it means that, you know, Heath and, Oliveras and Isbell are playing every day at AAA, and that's probably a good thing, you know, for the Royals for the future. And you have a guy that you can count on, a guy that you know, um, you know, uh, obviously hasn't played at the same level that you saw in the past this, in this last year or so. But I mean, as far as a dependable guy, speed guy, defensively, um, could be a good, useful fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder, depending on you know how they want to fill out their bench. Certainly, a you know pinch runner and. Um you know, just <clears throat> just bring some intangibles uh, to, to the and leadership in the clubhouse for for the Royals and Sam. I 
Um, when, when I started hearing about this the other night, I immediately went to YouTube and played some Fetty Wap and just to, um, uh, you know, because I'm young and hip, as one does, first yeah. of all, <laughs> and, <laughs> but to also to be, uh, to re be reminded of the Royals clubhouses yeah. in, in those years, uh, it'd be well, fun to have back, won't it? Yeah. I mean, one thing about, um, the Royals more than, they're not the only team that operates like this, but they are probably an outlier just in, in how much they believe in it. Um, it is specific, like how pieces fit together. They want, you know, this is bad memories for, for people watching, but um, you know, like Scott Pioli always used to say, it's, it's not the best 53. It's the right 53. And uh, you know, Dayton's never said it's, it's the, you know, it's not the best 26. It's the right 26, but there's some of that going on. I think that they, they wanted more speed. Um, and look, Dyson's 36 and, you know, depending on, you know, there's metrics everywhere that say that he's not quite as fast as, uh, as he used to be, but they, they wanted somebody that, that could cover some ground that could go get it in a big outfield, uh, you know, a little bit of an insurance policy, somebody that's, you know, that's one, they, they believe in, you know, that's part of, it's not the biggest part. I'm not saying that, but that's part of the attraction to, um, Benintendi, um, to Carlos Santana, you know, they, they, Michael Taylor has experience, you know, on, on winning teams like they, they, they believe in that. They believe this, this group, you know, we were just talking about Hunter Dozier that, you know, is, is enough of a central figure of this team that they gave him a long-term deal, but has also never played on a team that hasn't been bad, you know, that, that hasn't uh, been buried in the standing. So they, they, they want to jumpstart that a little bit. It's, it's an interesting, I don't think Dyson's not going to have a huge role, right? Like I think he had like 10 hits last year. Um, but you know, it, it's an interesting piece and certainly a fan favorite. Yeah. It just it does make you wonder what, what becomes of, uh, the, the innings of Nick Heath of, um, you know, Bubba Starling, uh, what, yeah. what, their, what their status becomes with, with this. Um, I, I didn't expect it. I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting, um, interesting, uh, acquisition for, for the Royals, but um, it's particularly yeah. interesting with Heath, like you, you mentioned Heath, because that's a guy and Lynn's heard the same things, I'm sure. But, you know, for a few years now, when they talk about Nick Heath, Dyson's name comes up, you know, like this, this is Dyson. And <laughs> if you're Nick Heath, if you're Bubba Starling, I mean, I know it, it's a business and everybody's trying to, to, to compete and all that, but um, you know, it would be hard not to see that as, as sort of a lack of confidence. But and I think with with Heath and I mean I'm sure he wants to play. I mean everybody wants to play. That's you know not breaking news there, but um, wants to be on the big league team. But if it comes down at least for the future for him playing every day and getting better, and I'm trying to remember how much time he had at AAA um, in 2019 because he didn't spend the whole year there. So if it means getting that experience so that when he gets up there, maybe he's further along or being on the big league team for up a whole season and getting used as a pinch runner twice a week or something like that, then for the long term, it's probably better for him. But I mean, I'm sure he wants to be in the big leagues. Sure. And yeah. you're not really losing much using Dyson in that role. Cause he's already, you know, he is what he's going to be where he may still have some upside. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for sports beat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas city stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. 
your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, the games have started, and I think they went four or five in the, uh, the it, it, on having been played. The, the Royals are at Goodyear today playing the Cincinnati Reds, and that means we're getting a look at some of these young pitchers like Daniel Lynch. Let's hear what he had to say after his appearance. I think he was against the Cubs a few days ago. Well, I just realized when I got out there that this is the first baseball game, real baseball game I've pitched in almost a full year, so that's different. Um, but I mean, um, I think I know what I need to do a little bit more. And I, th- I mean, I wouldn't say the approach is different. I'm always going to try to go out there and throw the ball well. Um, I definitely have, I definitely have a better outlook on it. Um, as far as like not freaking out when things don't go the right way, um, it's all good. Um, but you know, I'm gonna you know go in next week and try to be better, and that's all you can really do. So I wouldn't say my approach is any different. I guess maybe I'm just a little bit more mature in the way that I see things. So it was one and two thirds innings, and I think he got through the first inning pretty well. It was the second uh, second inning that he pitched that uh, uh, they gave up three runs. But you know, I, I had you know he reminded us that he had he never faced major league batters outside of uh, you know the. Uh, development uh at, at t-bone stadium last year and um and hadn't pitched in a real baseball game in more than a year so we we kind of have to keep that in mind when we're evaluating and observing these young pitchers don't we lynn yeah and you know um with lynch specifically and actually i think it may be up now actually a story that um that we did or that i did recently uh, i got talked to him when i was in arizona got some one-on-one time with him and it's Interesting because Mike Matheny from early in pitchers and catchers talked about how he looked like a different guy from last year when he was, you know, in camp for the first time back in, you know, before the pandemic and just more confident and more, he had more of a presence. And he thought that, um, you know, just seeing Singer Bubich get there last year changed some things for him. And so then when I got to talk to him, like it, it seemed to me like it really did. Like he, he really, like, I think he said to, you know, said to me that seeing them get there, let him know that he was really close. I mean, like, I, he probably sort of sensed that anyway, but I mean, like, he would say, you know, I drove Chris home the day that he got called up, <laughs> you know, so like it, it became real for him. And I think it changed the way he approached just the work in that alternate site. And, you know, whether it's Paul Gibson, their uh, director of pitching performance or JJ Piccolo or Mike Matheny, everybody has seen stride. So I'm not putting too much into that outing the other day, but it sounds like there's a real difference in him. And I mean, the potential's there. I mean, he's one of the top pitching prospects in all baseball. Um, anybody who's stepped in the box or seen him throw from the big league team has just been wowed by what he can do. It's just consistency is what um, he's trying to get to. And I think he's gotten closer from what you hear this year. That, that outing was, was really interesting too. It was, um, Cause he, he was nails the first inning. I mean, he looked, he looked great and, you know, striking out accomplished big league hitters with 98, you know, um, he looked great. And then the second inning he did falter a little bit, but I, I don't know if I would have like thought about this as much, but what, except 
the the clip that Beth just played of him saying, you know, it was the first time I've, I've, I've pitched in a real game in almost a year. So that was different. That was just a funny way for him to say, it. but there was a guy in the stands at Sloan park. And um, I don't know if the guy had had too much to drink or whatever, but this guy, you can hear limited crowds. Like you can hear specific. <laughs> this guy was wearing Lynch out in the second inning. I, I don't know if, Lynch could hear it. I'm sure he could hear it. I don't know if he was paying attention to it or anything, but I just, it's got to be a little bit stunning. I mean, it's not the first time Lynch has been heckled. You don't get to this level without, you know, coming into contact with some idiot in the stands. Right. But uh, it, it was just, when he said it like that, I just wonder if that was part of what he was thinking about it. There, there's a lot of just little things that you can develop and you can do other things at T-Bones Park, um, you know, and there's some advantages to be over there actually. But um, yeah, I mean, there, there's some stuff that goes on in real games that you can't prepare for unless you're in real games. I wonder if he was a Virginia Tech fan. Didn't, didn't Lynch go to UVA? And- <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a Virginia kid. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these guys, like even, you know, when we talk about Singer and Bubich, you know, they haven't pitched in ballparks with actual fans in them, you know, last year. I mean, you know, even I think trying to remember what Singer had, I think maybe 12 starts and Bubich 10 starts, but like those are big league starts against big league hitters and big league ballparks, but there hasn't been the atmosphere, the fans, there hasn't been, you know, quite the, the buildup in the, um, the atmosphere. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, especially over uh, an extended season. Well, and they're not going to be able to pitch in front of fans if, um, uh, the baseball announced this week that uh, the AAA season's not going to, it's been delayed, right? It's not going to start until May. And so the Royals are, are going back to the alternative site, whether that's going to be at the, the ballpark where now the Kansas City Monarchs are going to play or somewhere else. But all of a sudden, um, th- that's, ch- you know, that's, that's thrown a little bit of a wrench in the proceedings, hasn't it, Lynn? That, uh, uh, it looks like AAA is going to start about the same t- time as AA and single A, which is 1st of May. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it will. It's going to change things a little bit. But at the same time, I mean, like they knew there's going to be a period of time. There's going to be some sort of a gap between when camp ends for the big league team and when these guys start playing, you know, minor league games. Like that was always going to be, I mean, even, um, you know, because minor league camp starts later, you know, I mean, so some of these guys were going to be there for big league camp and, if they didn't make the big league team, we're going to be working out and throwing and having to stay, you know, ready and stretched out and and all of that um, until uh, the minor league season started. So, I mean, they, there was things in place that, I mean, it's not a, a total shock. I don't think, I think there was people who knew that that was probably the case, even though the triple A season, at least until, you know, this week wasn't technically pushed back. I think that was something that people were ready for. Okay, and speaking of one-on-one time, Lynn, you mentioned that with Daniel Lynch. You also got some one-on-one time with the, with Bobby Witt Jr. at uh, when you were in Surprise, and um, he uh, he had some good at bats yesterday. I noticed in in, uh, in in the box score. I didn't get to see the game, but uh, what uh, anything that he said stand out to you? What was what were your impressions of Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, when you were in Surprise? Um, the first thing, not that he said, but the first thing that just sort of stood out to me was just that, um, he's gotten bigger. I mean, like I, and I mean, it's not, you know, obviously he's going to, it's going to happen, but, um, you know, when he got drafted, so like the day after he got drafted by the Royals, I went to his house and, and met him down in Texas because the Royals happened to be playing the Rangers just before that. And, you know, um, you could see the frame there. And so now we're two years later and like, 
Um, I noticed a little bit last year. We didn't get, you know, real close to players last year, um, but like there were arms there, you know, and th- like now there's shoulders, there's a chest there. Like I, I, you know, they're, they were going from one field to the other during workouts in Arizona. And he said hi to me and he had the mask on because, you know, all the protocols and everything. It took me a second to realize like, Oh, wait a minute. That's, that's Bobby. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, and it's not a bulk thing. Like he's not like trying to get huge. It was just, you know, he's, he's filling out that frame that, um, that obviously we've, we've seen. Um, and um, but from talking to him, I think he he's a real humble kid and he just loves playing baseball. And he's still got that childlike thing. But I think he also realizes he's he's getting closer. And it's kind of weird because, you know, he still only played. I think it was 37 games at rookie ball. That's that's the extent of his minor league experience. But he's definitely getting closer. I mean, like between the alternate site, between um, summer camp, spring training 2.0 last year between being in camp this year. Um, I think he, he feels it like he's not in the rush or anything, but I think he feels like, you know, um, he, he, he wants it, you know, and he, and he just, the experiences he's had against big league guys, he's talked about how that those experiences are, you know, um, he almost steps it up a little bit just because he's, you know, looked up to those guys for so long and um, playing in those big spots seems to be what he, he thrives on even for a young kid. Maybe sometime after the All Star break, we see we see Bobby Wood Jr. in the in, at Kauffman Stadium. Sam, I don't know. Um, I, I think that they're they might be slower than some fans think. I, I think they with with these guys. I think they'd rather they've got a history of this too. But I think they'd rather be a month late than a month early. You know, and um, you know what Lynn said. I mean, he he's still twenty years old. He doesn't turn twenty one until was it June or July? June, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and what Lynn just said, I mean, the extent of his professional experiences, uh, 37 games in rookie ball and then whatever we got from spring training. So, um, you know, what I would not be surprised at is if he starts in double a, um, and and then, you know, once you're in double a, you know, you're, you're on the radar. Um, but I don't think they're going to be in a hurry to, to promote him. You know, I, I just, I think back to, um, you know, Eric Hosmer, for instance, I mean, they wanted to take him slower even um, than they did, but the guy was hitting like 440 or something in, in May. And it was, it was, he was making a joke out of AAA. So if, if Bobby Wood Jr. can do something like that, then, then maybe so. But I, I, um, I don't think they're in a rush to bring him up. And I, I'd put Asa Lacey in that same category too. I almost think they're going to, I know you didn't ask about Lacey, but it seems like they, they might treat this like Asa Lacey's, you know, a, a junior in college still or something like that. Cause they, there's just it sucks. Like they just a, a, an entire year was just wiped out of development. And everybody's on the same playing field. I get that, but the Royals, you know, where they are in their development, kind of needed that minor league time more than most. And um, you know, it it just it's it, it's a problem. But I think they're going to end up being a little bit more cautious than some people might think. Yeah, and with Lacey, I mean, and nobody's told me this, but I just I don't feel like there's any chance you see him this year. I mean, like, I'm not expecting it. I mean, I think because he had a shortened college season, he got, you know, um, I think he was there for fall camp. But even part of fall camp was interrupted for him last year because he had some sort of an eye thing that they had to get taken care of so that he, you know, I think there was like a. 10 day period where he didn't do anything in fall camp. Um, and so to go from that and whatever training he did on his own last year after the shortened college season draft and everything, and then to say, we're going to get you in big league games the next year. I don't, I just don't see it. Yeah. Um, with Bobby, I feel like, 
I agree with, you know, Sam in that, you know, double A is probably more realistic and I don't know that you see him in the big leagues this year. And I don't think that's a bad thing either. I mean, uh, it might just be because I, you know, I covered a lot of double A baseball, you know, for years in different places. And it just, that's a, that's a challenging level. I mean, it's not big league ball. And so people just sort of like, oh, whatever, double A. But I mean, like, there's guys who are really good who have to figure some things out at double A. And I think if that happens with Bobby, it's better it happens there than he never has any bumps in the road, then gets to the big leagues and then has, you know, some trouble and then has to figure it out at that level. Yep. Yeah. There's big league talent at double A. Um, they're, they're not big league players, but there's big league talent there. That, that, that stuff is real. Okay. Hey, I blew the Dayton Moore part of the uh, Hunter Dozier interview earlier in the, in the uh, show. I don't want to uh, mess this one up. I wanted to get to this Whit Merrifield audio that was from late last week. I just thought it was interesting and wanted to get a thought from you guys on it. So let's hear quickly from uh, Whit Merrifield. There's not many guys that can just come up here and rely on what they've got to be successful. Um, guys are going to adjust to you, and it's up to you to turn around and make that adjustment back. But touching off um, what you were talking about earlier, um, about the expectation to win and make the playoffs, um, how would you describe the culture in, in in Kansas City from the front office down? Because I think from a national perspective, some people were a little surprised they went out and they got Santana and Minor and Benatendi because um, a lot of teams, you know, retreat and stay down for a while. Um, what is it about the Royals that they're kind of an exception to that? Well, that's a problem that, that, that people are were – Surprised that we did that. Everybody should do that. Everybody should go out every year and do what they can to make their team the best they can. And our ownership and our front office understands that. And we're very fortunate here to have a front office ownership that understand that this is a very small window. Players get to play in the big leagues. Coaches get to be here. Um, you got really one shot at it. Why not go out every year and put together the best team you can to to be successful? Obviously, teams are going to have their budgets or whatever you, you want to call it. But um, there's no reason like, to not go out and, and try to, uh, to try to win every year. I thought that was interesting. It was maybe a little more diplomatic way of uh, saying what uh, Clayton Kershaw uh, said last week as well. Um, what do you think about that, Sam? That is, uh, I don't know if Kershaw is the Dodgers rep, but th- that is some of the, that's Whit Merrifield Players Union rep. <laughs> that's, that's what that is. Um, Whit is, uh, he's really smart, um, first of all, but there's they're smart people in baseball that don't like to think about this stuff. And Whit is both smart and likes to think about this stuff and express himself. And he, he's been outspoken on this for years about, you know, that we, we hear sometimes about, you know, this growing divide between the union and owners and wit is very much a part of that. And, and the, the tank stuff drives him crazy. Absolutely drives him crazy. And he's right. Like you, you get one window. Um, that's kind of one of the frustrating things about, and this is just inherent in every sport, but the players have a much smaller window than these owners. And, you know, for him, God, let's, let's get going. Let's put the, you know, pedal down. And, and, and everybody try to win. And he gets really frustrated when, uh, when he sees teams that, don't, that, that aren't doing that. Okay. Um, listen, Lynn and Sam, I really appreciate you joining us. David Van Zant, thanks for uh, switching from the Chiefs to the Royals uh, Sports Beat Live. And, uh, and, and keep watching us. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be on every week with the Royals. 
Mark Schremer, we're going to get to this thought about Bo Jackson next week because if you um, if you look behind, yeah, right on Sam's wall, uh, he he. Um, Sam's I'm not biased here. No, Sam does not. Dozier talking about the Royals. <laughs> Sam doesn't waffle on his uh, Bo Jackson opinions, and I promise you, we will get to that soon. So, Lynn, Sam, Beth Welsh, thanks a lot, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Beth. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy and Sam McDowell for stopping by and Talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's our online sports page of the Kansas City Star. 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. What a time to subscribe. The Royals are at spring training. March Madness is right around the corner, and it's never not Chiefs season. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.com kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sportsbeat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode. <music>